Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's focus on our sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul on High FM. It's wonderful to be with you a Wednesday afternoon. And due to the technology of Skype, we're even able to do so during lockdown. So I'm broadcasting live from my home. Um, and it's great always to be with you. So, of course, we uh, look at these great sages within the Jewish people and our illustrious history that we have. And it's so important for us as Jews to be aware of our rich history. I want to start out with two sages that both had their yotzite yesterday. Yesterday was the 18th of Iyar, Chai Iyar. Um, it was the yotzite of both the Ramah and Rabbi Shimon Bayochai. It was like Bo'omir yesterday. So we'll be speaking briefly in a, in a few moments about Rabbi Shimon and why Lag Ba'omir is such a significant day. But let's first mention the Ramah. The Ramah was one of the greatest Ashkenazi uh, poiskim in the history of the Jewish people. The Ramah was born in 1530 in Krakow in Poland. And the Ramah died in 1572. He died at the tender age of 42 years old. He was so young. He had achieved so much in those short 42 years. The Ramor came up with the brilliant concept of writing a code of Jewish law, of codifying Jewish law. What does that mean, codifying Jewish law? Well, we know that um, all of our our massive legal system, um, the, the we have the written Torah, the Torah Shabbat and we have the Torah Shabbat the oral tradition. The oral tradition really encompasses um, most of Jewish law, and with only the written law, we're very limited and it's very cryptic and brief. With the oral law, so we understand the depth and the meaning and the connection and the specifics and the details of halacha, of what God wants from the Jewish people. Um, the oral law was written down um, between the years 300 and 600 of the Common Era um, in Babel, in Babylonia. That's why it's called the Talmud Bavli. And um, it covers all every detail required within Jewish law. But the Talmud is very complicated and very detailed and very long. Um, the Talmud is 1,711 pages and it um, double pages. So, it's, so, you know, one page of Talmud is two-sided. So it's, it's twice that. So it's, uh, sorry, 2,711 times two. So then it's uh, 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 5,422 pages. That's the full length of the Talmud. And we often have Daf Yomi, people do a Daf a day, and they complete it in just um, over seven years. So it's quite an ima- amazing achievement uh, to learn one Daf every day. And a Daf is both sides, is, is double-sided. And they do the 2,711 pages, which takes uh, just over seven years. So the, it's difficult to know the whole Talmud. And one has to put in many, many hours and do lots of revision chazorah, and it's, it's a mammoth task that um, not everybody is able to achieve, to not only learn the whole Talmud, but to know the whole Talmud well. And the great rabbis of each generation, which, which we call the Puiskim, they are the selected individuals which have tremendous intellects and tremendous 
um, hasmoda, which means diligence, and they spend most of their lives immersed in the pages of the Talmud, and they know it well, and they're able to apply the principles of the Talmud to modern circumstances and situations. So ideally, every Jew should be learning Talmud. Every Jew should be connected to the Torah Shabbat It's vital and essential for the development and growth of every Jew. However, to know all of the halachas that are expected of us from the Talmud is very difficult. And as a result, through the ages, we had great people that wrote summaries and wrote conclusions of the discussions in the Gemara. In particular, we had the Rambam, we had the Rif, and we had the Rosh. Those three great people each wrote, they each, they each wrote their conclusions of the halachic system based on the Talmud. And came along, so, so, that, that was, they were reshoning. They were done, um, about a thousand years ago, between the years, um, 1000 and 1300 is when they wrote those works. Um, 200 years later, the Ramor had an idea and he decided to write a concise and conclusive codification, which means, um, a summary of all, Jew, of all of Jewish law. And at the same time, in the, there was in the, uh, mid, the early, up to mid 16th century. So Rav Yosef Karo, the great leader of Sfadi Jewry, Rav Yosef Karo was born in Spain. His family left Spain with the Inquisition and he ended up in Eretz Israel in Sfat. And to, and he also came up with the same idea at the same time. And he beat the, the Ramor didn't know that he was doing it. They didn't know that uh, the Ramor was in Krakow in Poland. Um, the, and, uh, the base Yosef, Rav Yosef Karo was in Sfat. And Rav Yosef Karo printed his Shulchan Aruch just before the Ramor completed his. He beat him, he, he beat him in the final stretch. And so the Ramor had a decision. What, he, what was he to do? Either he was to write his own version and codify Jewish law on his own, or he was to, um, comment on the version that Rav Yosef Karo wrote. And in an act of tremendous humility, of unbelievable greatness. He, instead of publishing his own separate book, he made notes on the Shulchan Aruch of Rav Yosef Karo. Um, and that then became the um, Ashkenaz. So in other words, remember, Rav Yosef Karo was a Sfadi. So um, most of his halachas were for the Sfadi world. Remember, the Jewish world now had, uh, for many centuries, there were Jews in North Africa and in Spain. And they were Jews in Europe. And so different customs were observed by those different communities. So um, Yosef Karo, who was a Sfadi, wrote the customs of the Sfadi. So where there were any deviations or differences in terms of the Ashkenazim, so the Ramor commented on that. And he wrote notes on the Shulchan Aruch. So instead of writing his own book and matching and equaling, if I did, if I was in that situation, I had... Codified Jewish law, which is a work of tremendous genius and unbelievable scholarship. I wouldn't reduce my work and just write notes on somebody else's work. I'd publish my own work. But the Ramor wasn't about himself. It wasn't Rav, Rav Moshe Isilis wasn't looking for glory and for honor and for recognition. He was interested in making a contribution to Klal Yisrael. And in one of the most inspiring, humble acts of history within the Jewish world, instead of publishing his own work, he wrote the work, he wrote notes on, on Rav Yosef Kara's work in the Shulchan Aruch. And then the Shulchan Aruch became the conclusive work of Jewish law for the entire Jewish world. It united all of Klai Israel and everybody to this day 
um, over five centuries later, we all follow the dinim, the laws, the psakim, the rulings of the Shulchan Aruch. But Yosef Kara used the Rif, the Rambam, and the Rosh. There, he always went by a majority. Either they were unanimous in something or there was a majority, and that's how he passed them. Um, and the Ramor then commented on if there were any slightly different or additions of, uh, or deviations of the Ashkenazim. And therefore we have Ashulchan Aruch, which is the conclusive work of Jewish history. So, of Jewish law. And so that was the tremendous contribution that the Ramor made to the Jewish world. Um, and, uh, I was Zoyche together with my wife and my parents to go to Poland and Lithuania in August last year with Rabbi Pesach Kron. And we went to the shul of the Ramah. The Ramah shul is still intact in Krakow, in the old city of Krakow. And right next to the shul is the cemetery. The Ramah is buried in that cemetery. And so is the Toysus Yomtev. My wife is a direct descendant of the Toysus Yomtev. So it really was moving to go to the shul of the Ramah, the, um, the grave of the Ramah, the grave of the Toysus Yomtev. And he certainly is somebody who um, has impacted tremendously on the Jewish world through his scholarship, through his humility, and three leadership. So we remember the Ramah whose Yotzad it was yesterday on the 18th of Iyar. And please stay with us when we come back. We're going to talk about the Yotzad of Rabbi Shumbayelchai and the significance of Lagaba Omer. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 Chai FM. So we're talking about the Two great people. We spoke already about the Ramor of Moshe Isilus. And now we're going to speak about Rabbi Shimba Yechai. So yesterday was Lagba Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. And Lagba Omer is the Yotzat of Rabbi Shimon Yechai. And the, the great Nasib Shalom, the Stoni Marebi asks, why is it that we make such a fuss and such a commotion about Lagba Omer and we don't see um, such reactions and customs on the Yotzad of any other great person, of any other great Tzaddik, or uh, whether they're a Tana or whether they're a Moira, we don't, uh, yet on the Yotzad Rabbi Shimba Yechai, so Klai Yisrael goes to great effort to mark that, that day um, as being an important, significant day. So why is it? Why is Rabbi Shimon different to everybody else? And he explains very beautifully the Siddur Shalom, and he says the following. He says that um, there are certain souls that are in this world and there's certain great souls. Now, the greater the soul, the more the appeal. In other words, certain people can reach a large number of, of Jews and can spread their influence and inspire many, many thousands. But there are rare individuals that reach all of Klal Yisrael, that reach every Jew. And even Jews that are far away and that are very much immersed in the darkness of this material world and not at all connected the light of Torah and the light of Hashem, the, those unique, rare, um, great souls can even penetrate that darkness and access and appeal to those that are even very far away. And says the Sivu Shalom, an example of such an individual is Rabbi Shimon Bayachai. He says the Zohar says that Rabbi Shimon was actually a reincarnation of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's where that's why he had this ability. Moshe, too, was somebody who appealed to every person, to every Jew. Uh, we see a, a very good example of that with Cheta Egel, with the sin of the golden calf. So Moshe is on Mount Sinai, and he's receiving the Torah on behalf of Klai Yisrael. And he comes down 40 days later, and it's the 17th of Tammuz, Shiva Asabah Tammuz. 
and he sees the people around the cough and he sees the commotion and he sees the terrible mistake that Klal Yisrael have made and he breaks the luchos, the tablets, and he destroys the cough. And Hashem then says, Moshe, let me wipe out these rebels. Let me destroy this this uh, people, these evil people. And Moshe says to Hashem, Hashem, either forgive them for this sin, wipe out their sin, or wipe me out of your book. Remove me from your book. So we see Moshe Rabbeinu stands up even for the lowest of clays, or even for those that were involved and in the instigators of of the Chet Ha'edel, the sin of the Golden Calf. Moshe is there for them also. Because Moshe was an, a person whose soul burned so bright, the light that emanated from Moshe was so great that it even affected those that were very far away and immersed in the darkness of this world. That's, that was the great quality of Moshe, and that too was the great quality of the reincarnation of Moshe, Rabbi Shimon Ba'echai. Rabbi Shimon Ba'echai lived 2,000 years ago. Rabbi Shimon was the author of the Zohar, which is the classical work of Jewish mysticism. And Rabbi Shimon too had the unique ability to impact on and to access, to appeal to every Jew. And we see it's very interesting, even in our times, we see that um, the teachings of Rabbi Shimon and the teachings of the Zohar have been very successful in our times in the 21st century to the 20th and 21st century to appealing to Jews that don't know much about Judaism. So very often the Kabbalistic wisdom is what touches Jews and what brings us back and what um, what uh, pulls us towards, brings us home to the Torah, to Hashem and to the mitzvahs. So this was the greatness of Rabbi Shimon and therefore says the Nisim that's why Lagba Omri is unique. Because Rabbi Shimon at, uh, accessed and appealed to all of the Jewish people, um, like just like Moshe Rabbeinu, like Moshe did. And so on Lagbo Omer, what do we do? On Lagbo Omer, we have a custom to light fires. Why do we light the fires? Because the fires, uh, the fire is a giant yotzite candle, is a representation of a, 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 the pasuk of Mishlei says Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam, the candle of Hashem is the soul of a person. And when we light the candle, we remember the soul, the neshama. And that's why we light a yotzite candle on the yotzite of our loved ones. We also, like Boomer, light a fire, which is a yotzite candle for Rabbi Shimon. So great was Rabbi Shimon's soul, and so great was the light of the Torah that Rabbi Shimon shared with the Jewish people, with Klai Yisrael. So the fire represents that light that dispelled the darkness of this physical world, and brought in the light of Torah. And just as Moshe Rabbeinu gave us the Torah Sheba Nikla, the revealed Torah, the, 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 the Chamisha, the five books, um, that he wrote down, um, so too Rabbi Shimon, who was the reincarnation of Moshe, gave us the Torah Sheba Nista, the hidden Torah. So you have a revealed Torah, and you have a hidden Torah. And Rabbi Shimon was the one, he was the medium, he was the conduit, to share the hidden Torah with Klai Yisrael. And that, of course, is the Kabbalistic wisdom. The writings of the Arizal and those that followed the Arizal, um, interesting that we mentioned Rav Yosef Karo in the beginning and uh, Rav Moshe Isilis, the Ramor, they too were great Kabbalists. In fact, Rav Yosef Karo was at the same time as the Arizal in Sfat, and he was part of the Kabbalistic wisdom that the Arizal shared with his students in Sfat. Um, also in the middle of the, the 16th century. 
And those teachings of Adarizal were really an elaboration and an explanation of the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bayecha. So Rabbi Shimon wrote the Zohar, and for many centuries we didn't really know what he was talking about and referring to. We couldn't understand what he was saying, but it was the Arizal who unlocked the keys of the Zohar and explained the entire Kabbalistic system and the wisdom, the great wisdom of Jewish mysticism. Um, and everything that we do in Judaism, all of our um, observances and all of our mitzvahs, everything that that very you know very much everything that's done is based on the Kabbalistic wisdom. That's the foundation, and that's the uh, source of everything. So the, that great body of knowledge of the of the mystical side of the Torah was was taught to Klai Yisrael through Rabbi Shimon Bar and on Lag Ba'Omer we light those fires. And we remember that tremendous light that Rabbi Shum brought into the world. And in fact, he taught his Talmudim that he said to his Talmudim the last day of his life that he would on this day share great secrets with them. And uh, so he did. And therefore, there were tremendous lights that uh, shone in the world on the day of Lagba Omer, on the day that Rabbi Shimon left the world. It says that the sun didn't set until Rabbi Shimon um, was completed, or finished teaching those secrets that he wanted to reveal to his students, and then he died, and then the sun set on that day. So we remember all of that light and beauty on Lagba Omer, and that's why it's an important day, a powerful day, a significant day within the Jewish calendar. That was yesterday, that was Lagba Omer. Um, so uh, let's maybe carry on and talk a little bit. Let's try to share some of those teachings of Rabbi Shimon. So he taught the hidden wisdom of the Torah. Most of Kabbalah, I don't know much about Kabbalah. Uh, most of the Kabbalistic system is based on the spheres, is on the seven spheres, and we now counting sphere, we're counting the Omer, and each day of the sphere represents uh, another midah, another characteristic. So there's seven spheres, and each one has a part of all the others. So seven sevens of 49, those are the 49 days of sphere. Um, and yesterday was Chod Shebuchod on Rabbi Shimon's Yotzeit, which was very significant. So the last of the seven spheres is called the sphere of Malchus. Malchus means kingship, means royalty. Malchus is represented by the crown. And the sphere of Malchus crowns all the other six spheres. Um, so I wanted to share with you a, a beautiful teaching in in light of Lagba Omer and in honor of the holy teachings of Rabbi Shimon, um, which will hopefully um, be of significance and meaning to you. It's, a, it's something I heard from Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi David Aaron explains Malchus in the following way. He says Malchus is like a radio, and you all are listening to the radio, right? We're on the radio, so it's a very appropriate uh, parable to explain this concept. Um, so as we know, you're able to listen to me right now, and I'm sure there are many thousands listening. I hope so, certainly. Um, so you're listening right now. And the reason why you are able to listen is because Chai FM is transmitting signals, is transmitting radio waves. You have a radio, or if you're using some sort of other device, whether it's your computer, whether your phone, um, or you're driving, um, and the radio that you have picks up that transmission and broadcasts that what's in those hidden abstract radio waves is picked up by your radio and broadcast out. And that's how you're hearing my voice, and that's how um, we are able to share ideas together. Now, a human being, uh, to explain Malchus, Rabbi Aaron says a human being is like a radio. 
And just as the radio receives that, that transmission and tunes in to the right station, so we as human beings need to receive transmission from on high, tune in to our Shem's transmission and broadcast that message with the world. Share that message with others. That is Malthus. Malthus is connecting to the higher source and broadcasting it out. And that is the flow of blessing that exists in the world. When we are doing that, when we are tuned in and receiving that transmission and broadcasting out, so then we are allowing the flow of blessing to come that, that is showered down from on high and to manifest in this world. And that's what we are all to be doing. We're supposed to be broadcasting, receiving from on high the talents that Hashem gives us, the blessings that Hashem gives us, and we're supposed to be broadcasting and sharing those with others. Aaron said that he had a good friend who had a very large business in the United States, and he sold the business. And in the sales clause, he said that I'm only selling on condition that um, that the annual profits, the 10% of the annual profits should be given to charity, to tzedakah. So the buyers of the business sold this clause. I said, what is this? I've never seen anything like this. It's ridiculous. He said, I've spent my life building this business, and the success of this business comes from the fact that we share the profits with others, and I'm not prepared to see my business um, uh, be destroyed because that won't be continued. And that is the flow of blessing. So whether it's our money that we are sharing with others, whether it's our talents that we are sharing with others, whether it's our time that we are sharing with others, that's how it's, we're supposed to be the radio that receives the transmission, that tunes into the right station, and that shares it and gives to others. Rabbi Aaron said that when he was, when he wrote his first book, so he had a bit of a crisis because he said to his wife, you know, now that I'm writing the book, nobody needs Rabbi Aaron anymore. And she said to him, you're making a mistake. She said that you receive in order to give out, to give to others. And when you do that, you'll continue to receive more. And she was exactly right. That's exactly how the world works, is that when we receive and we give to others, we're in the service of others. So then the flow of blessing continues. That's how the pattern is. That's how Hashem designed the world. And it might be a bit counterintuitive because we live in the world, in the Western world, where we all want, we want for ourselves, we have rights. Uh, I have the right to be served. I have the right to, to uh, be able to receive certain things from the country I live in. I have the right to express myself, etc., etc. But uh, we, we often um, downplay and don't give significance to the importance of giving. We want to receive. We want to receive love. We want to receive recognition. We want to receive acknowledgement. But the real fulfillment and happiness of a human being comes from giving, comes from being in the service of others. When we are giving and when we are sharing and when we are helping, so that brings us fulfillment and serenity and tranquility and um, a sense of purpose and meaning in our lives. And when we are only consuming and taking and taking, that creates a, a certain feeling of insecurity and of of unhappiness and of lack of fulfillment. And so when we follow this pattern and when we learn to give to others and to be in the service of others, not only are we um, 
find do we find happiness and fulfillment in our own lives, but also we ensure the flow of blessing to continue. And therefore, we should think about this and emphasize this. We need to be like a radio, and we need to um, be in the service of others, broadcasting to others. And it doesn't necessarily have to be public service. It could be in the service of our spouse. It could be in the service of our children or our parents. Those are all very noble things in the service of our community, in the service of, of Kal Yisrael, of the world. So when we're in service, we are fulfilling our purpose, our mission, and the flow of blessing continues, just like the radio. And that is an expression of this concept of Malchus. And there's one more aspect of the radio that Rabbi Aaron emphasized, and that is the important quality of humility, that the radio, the true radio is humble and realizes that it's only receiving from on high the transmission and those waves, it's tuned into those waves and it's able to broadcast them out. It's not the radio itself, it's just a vehicle, it's just a mechanism, it's just a means to share that blessing, to share that money, to share that talent, to share that knowledge, to share the time and the love. They're just a, a vehicle and a, a means. And one often sees in, in, in very talented people that, you know, they, they say, I, I'm just, I'm just sharing what I received. I'm just sharing the talent and the blessing that I received. And they spot on, they're right. Those people become even greater and they're given the opportunity to share more. Um, it's not a coincidence that Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest leader the world has ever seen, probably the most noble human being that's ever walked the face of the earth, the one who received the Torah from God at Mount Sinai and shared it with humanity, which changed the world forever, brought light and morality and uh, perfection to the world. So Moshe was uh, Ish Moshe Anav Bikol Adam Alpne Adama. Moshe is the most humble person that walks that's ever walked the earth. That's what the Torah says. So it's not a coincidence that it was the humility of Moshe that led to his greatness and his achievements. He realized that he was just using the talents and using the opportunities that Hashem gave him. It's not me. I'm not this great, incredible human being who's made all this money, who has all this talent, who's, you know, made this music or written these books or whatever it may be. Yeah, I'm just a vehicle and I'm using those talents that Hashem is giving me. I'm tuning in to the um, higher to the higher uh, uh, power, and I am receiving that transmission, and I'm broadcasting with others. So that is the that is what Malchus is. That's one of the great teachings of Kabbalah, one of the great teachings of Rabbi Shem Bayechai, as explained so beautiful by Rabbi David Aaron. And that's something that we should all aspire to be, to be radios, to receive that transmission, to broadcast it to others, and to be humble, and to realize that it's not us. I'm just a medium sharing the blessing that I've received. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We're all going through very interesting times, aren't we? It's already been over um, six weeks of, of our isolation. And the world is a different place. The world has changed radically. Um, in these last few weeks and uh, we all are grappling with a new reality and grappling with the unbelievable uh, circumstances that we find ourselves in and uh, continuing to be in lockdown. So some are able to work, many are working from home, but it's a new world that we're living in 
And uh, as a rabbi, it's very difficult not having, uh, being able to have minyanim and to have a, a, a central meeting place, the shul, with the community to learn, to teach, to share life together. So these are very challenging times. But there, are, of course, are many important messages and um, and uh, uh, ideas that we should be thinking about at this time. So firstly, just to reiterate how important it is that we observe the guidelines and the restrictions, that we don't have minyanim. God doesn't want us to have minyanim right now. That's clear. We need to be careful. We need to um, make sure that we are scrupulous with uh, social distancing, with sanitizing, with washing our hands, with wearing masks, with doing everything that is incumbent upon us to ensure that the uh, the virus doesn't spread and that we're keeping ourselves and our families and our community healthy. That is for sure. And anything, anybody who doesn't observe those guidelines is being foolish and is uh, not taking the precautions they should and is contravening not only our civil law in South Africa, but halacha as well. There's no question about it. But there certainly are very important ideas that we need to be digesting and mulling over at this time. And one of them for sure is, in, uh, is, is integrating and digesting the fact that God is the king of the world, that God is the creator of the universe, that God is in control. And that is one of the most valuable lessons that a human being is to learn in their lifetime. We are sent over here to realize that there's a higher power and to be in sync, in cognizant of the of the requirements of the higher power, to live our lives in tandem with Hashem. That's our one of the most important achievements of human beings in this world. And there's no question that COVID-19 is here to reiterate that message and to show us that we are not in control, that we do not control our destiny and control our lives. And this tiny little virus, which is one million one billionth of a meter, that's its size, of the virus, has brought the world to an absolute standstill, has brought our great economies and our great governments to their knees. And we are certainly not in control as mere mortal human beings. And that's an important lesson that we all should be taking with this pandemic and with this crisis that we're going through. We should be thinking about it. Very often, Hashem sends us that message. Sometimes we pick it up um, in subtle ways, and that's enough for us to get the message and to, to learn from it and to integrate it. And sometimes it's not so subtle, and there are more clear, um, brazen messages that need to be sent to us for, for all of us, for us to get the message. And sometimes it, it becomes a global crisis that is to, that, that communicates this message to us. And it's so clear and obvious we are all to hear it to hear what Hashem is saying and to listen to the powerful message that is being communicated by this global pandemic that God is in control of the world. And that's such a valuable, important lesson for all of us to take. And one of our great Rishonim, he's known as the Rivet, he lived in the 12th century, Rav Abraham ben David. So he writes in his famous Sefer, Balei Nefesh, that many of the mitzvahs, um, demonstrate that exact, this exact point that God is in control and is in charge of the world. There's an existence of higher being and we are here in order to be aware of that and live in cognizance of that. Ravolbi, the great Mashiach, 
Shmitah, who was who passed away in 2005, Rav Volbi says that Shabbos and Shmita are two examples of this principle that God is in control of the world. And that is the Pasha we're reading this week. This week we read Pasha's Bahar. It's a double, a double header once more. Bahar Bahu Koisai. So I hope everybody's up, keeping up to date with their Shnai Mikra Becha Targum. We have an obligation to go through the Pasha twice and the, the Targum, a translation once. So, um, it says at the beginning of Pasha's Bahar, Hashem said to Moshe at Mount Sinai saying, Daber el lehem. Speak to the Jewish people and tell them, Ki savol el ha'aretz ashani noisen lachem. When you come to the land that I'm giving to you, v'shafta ha'aretz shabbos lahashem. That the land needs to be left. The land needs to rest. And that is a resting lahashem, a shabbos lahashem. A resting to Hashem. Rashi says, shabbos lahashem l'shem hashem. The resting of the land, shmita, is for the sake of Hashem. It is for Hashem. And Rashi says, Kashem Shemar the Shabbos Bereshis. Just like it says in Shabbos Bereshis, we, when we were given the Ten Commandments at the, the beginning of the world, Shabbos Bereshis, it says, the Yemashi Shabbos Lashem, that the seventh day is a day of rest for Hashem. So, so to Shmita is a time of rest for Hashem. And the message, the powerful message the Torah is telling us is that we are supposed to leave the land. Shmita is when the, the we work the land for six years. Seventh year, we leave the land. The seventh year, anybody is able to come into the field and take whatever they want. It's hefker, it's ownerless. And anybody has permission to help themselves. We don't um, harvest and we don't sell the produce in the seventh year. We have to leave the land um, in, in the seventh year because that shows us that the land doesn't belong to us. The land belongs to Hashem. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Last point we're making is that the Shemitah we commanded in this week's Pasha's Bahar about the requirement of leaving the land fallow, not working the land on the seventh year. And that's a very difficult mitzvah to observe. Imagine farmers. It only applies to the land of Israel, not out of Israel. Farmers in the land of Israel leaving every seven years. They leave the land and don't work the land and allow anybody to come in and to help themselves if there's any um, fruit or if there's any produce that has been developed by the land, but they're not allowed to harvest it and to sell it commercially. And that's a very powerful lesson that the land is not ours, the land is Hashem's. This world belongs to Hashem. The Ravid says that is the message of Shemitah, and that is the same message of Shabbos. On Shabbos also, for six days we work, for six days we are involved in creative activity. The Lamed test, Malachas of Shabbos, the 39 creative activities of Shabbos that we are very much engaged in in the six days. And on the seventh day we abstain. On the seventh day we are not involved in creative activity because it's the same message. That Hashem is in control. It is Hashem's world. Hashem is the boss of the world. And the seventh day is the Hashem, is Hashem's day. And we're not involved in creative activity. Shemitah is a mitzvah that is quite infrequent and it's uncommon. Shemitah is only once every seven years. And Shemitah is only in the land of Israel. Shabbos, on the other hand, is every seven days. Six days work, seventh day is Shabbos. So Shabbos is a great opportunity and it's, it applies to all of us too that are living out of the land of Israel, Shabbos. 
Um, and so Shabbos is a great opportunity for all of us to learn this all-important lesson that there's a creator, that there's a higher force, that there's a meaning to our lives. Nothing is accidental. Nothing is coincidental. Each and every one of us has an important role to play in God's team called Klal Yisrael, called the Jewish people. There's no surplus of Jews. There's no extra Jew. All of us has to play our part. That's why we're here. That's why God sent our soul into our body and still keeps us alive in order to play our part and play our role. And our primary role is to acknowledge that there's a creator, that I am not in control, that I do not control the world. It's a very hard lesson for us to learn. God controls the world, and I'm here to serve the creator, and I'm here to try and connect to the creator, to rise above and beyond my physical existence, my single-dimensional, narrow existence of following my instincts of eating and drinking and, and pursuing um, power and pleasure in this world. I'm here to rise above that, to nurture my soul, to connect to the Creator, to fulfill the commandments of that Creator, the mitzvahs, and to try and serve that Creator. That's the reason why we're here. So this all-important message of Shmita and of Shabbos, that God is in control, is very much a message that COVID-19 is bringing to the world. God is in control. We, great, sophisticated, advanced human beings in the 21st century, have not been able to deal very well with this virus and this pandemic, and unfortunately, and unfortunately there are so many that have died around the world, hundreds of thousands that have died around the world. And so, please God, we will see a healing and a, vac- a therapeutics and a vaccination, but with the message should not be lost, and we understand that God is in control and we're here to serve God. So um, that is a very powerful lesson that we learn from Shemitah, we learn from Shabbos, we learn from COVID-19. And please God, we should hear that message, listen to the messages that Hashem is sending us, and all rise to our mission in this world, to recognize God and to serve God. Thank you so much for listening. Stay positive, stay healthy, and have a wonderful day.